0: and welcome to episode number 58 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 115 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And before I get into last and I say AEW Dynamite, I do want to touch on one news item that broke from WWE yesterday, courtesy of Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful.com and John Pollock from Post Wrestling and that Nash Carter has been released from NXT and with all NXT releases this is never publicized on WWE.com or their social media this is an internal developmental matter and all contracts with NXT are non-compete for 30 days so he's free to do whatever he needs to do after a month or so and this is in conjunction with a series of domestic violence allegations levied at Carter from his estranged wife Kimberly and it's been going on for about a week now and she released photos of the alleged abuse, and she posted a photo of Nash Carter posing like Adolf Hitler. And it should be noted that Carter and Wesley from MSK won the NXT Tag Team Titles at St. and delivered this past Saturday on Peacock. And I thought that was a choice then, when this situation was ongoing on social media the entire week leading up to the premium live event this past weekend. So this is a very serious situation. And WWE really had no choice but to release Nash Carter once those photos were released in the last 48 hours. And this situation is still playing out on social media as I speak. And it's very messy and sad at the exact same time. We got people from both angles trying to defend one against the other, which leads to trial by Twitter. And that never ends well, because when you speak your piece about what's going on, You got defenders coming out there from all sides, harassing, bullying and sending death threats. And it's a very scary situation. And at this point, I would advise both parties to shut down their Twitter accounts and all forms of social media and lawyer up and handle this in the legal sense away from the toxicity of social media. And to, quite frankly, stay away from each other at this point until this is legally resolved. Because this feels like a very unhealthy and toxic relationship that reached its boiling point over the last week or so. And the one thing I don't want to see are certain fans, who I can't classify as fans, attacking both parties with death threats and other forms of harassment. That is never the answer. So that's why I suggest shut down the Twitter's shut down the Facebooks, the Grams, and handle this matter privately. Accountability is key. And I hope that there is a resolution to all of this. I can't speak to the future of Nash Carter's in-ring career. That should be the last thing on his mind at this point because his personal life needs to be attended to. And there are things to own up to. There are things to be accountable for. And the best way to handle that is to be out of the public eye. And the same goes to Kimberly as well. What's done is done. And now it's time to handle things out of the public view of Twitter and other forms of social media, because it's going to lead to a battle amongst fan bases, taking sides and doing things out of pocket. We've seen it one too many times in that space. And to prevent that, It's time to take a social media timeout and leave it to the legal system at this point. And with that, it's now time to make the difficult but necessary transition to last night's AEW Dynamite, which went down live from the Agonist Arena in Boston, Massachusetts. And this show was hot from the opening bell and it was even hotter during the main event. The second hour was a bit of a slog to get through up until the epic main event, which I'll get to shortly. But things kicked off on a very hot note with Adam Cole, Bay Bay versus Christian Cage. And this match was really good. Adam Cole was very disrespectful towards Christian Cage by spitting in his face early on. Christian Cage fired up. He caught Adam Cole at ringside and he laid him out with a clothesline on the floor. And he was going up top for a high spot. But Adam Cole kicked the left leg and targeted that leg throughout this match as he slammed him against his steps. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Christian Cage recovers to go for a dive that goes kind of awry. And he does recover eventually to hit a sunset flip into a swinging net breaker for a very close near fall. He goes for another sunset flip and Adam Cole counters that into a backstabber and Christian Cage is able to reverse a pin with a roll up of his own. He goes up top for a headbutt, but Nobody's in the water. He misses it, and Adam Cole tries to lower the boom, but he does not lower the knee pad as Christian Cage kicks out at two. From there, the action picks up. We have Cole going for Panama Sunrise and Christian Cage counters that with a Hurricane from the top rope. Christian Cage once again goes for a move from the top rope, but Adam Cole super kicks him in midair and he goes to Panama Sunrise, but Christian Cage is able to avoid it again and hits a spear for a very close near fall. Both men are jockeying for position, but Adam Cole is able to gouge the eyes of Christian behind the referee's back and he lowers the boom for the win a short time later. Without the knee pad, this time and I thought this was a very good match both guys had great chemistry in the ring together and it's very crazy to see Christian Cage and Adam Cole in a wrestling match in 2022 because Christian Cage was retired for years up until last year when he made his return at the 2021 Warrior Rumble then made his big debut at AEW Revolution last March and he's been on a run ever since it's been a renaissance for Mr. Cage and to have a match with Adam Cole in the 2022s is truly awesome to see and Adam Cole is continuing to deliver banger after banger on Dynamite Rampage and pay-per-view and after the match is over Red Dragons Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly attack Christian Cage at ringside but fortunately the AEW World Tag Team Champions Jungle Born Luchasaurus make the save and they fight off Red Dragon which leads to Hangman Adam Page the reigning defending AEW World Champion coming out to confront Adam Cole, because Adam Cole wants a shot at this championship so bad that he stole it a couple of weeks ago. But if you want another shot, here's your shot next Friday on Rampage in Garland, Texas, in a Texas death match. And Adam Cole was spooked and Hangman told him, get your affairs in order because you might not make it through next Friday. I thought that was a nice selling point for Another Texas death match, apparently Hangman pages specialty when it comes to defending his world championship in the most violent way possible. And I'm looking forward to this matchup live on TNT next Friday night. And it should be noted that Christian Cage was very angry backstage through a water bottle and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus did not know how to respond. So I'm back on my theory that Christian might flip on Jungle Boy very, very soon, Let's not forget that Jungle Boar eliminated Christian Cage from that Casino Battle Royale last May at Double to Nothing. And Christian Cage has not forgotten about that. He might be palling around with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus but the knife is still in his hand to stab Jungle Boy in the back figuratively of course at any given moment and that moment might come next Wednesday when Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus defend the AEW World Tag Team Titles against Red Dragons Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly next up is the debut of Samoa Joe in AEW and amongst all the craziness surrounding Wrestlemania weekend was Supercard of Honor from Ring of Honor and it was a great pay per view going down in Dallas Texas around the same time as Smackdown Rampage and the WWE WWE Hall of Fame so it was a crazy weekend but a lot of eyeballs were on Ring of Honor and Samoa Joe showed up at the end to confront Jay Letho and Sanjay Dutt so I really dig Samoa Joe back a Ring of Honor and Moonlighting on AEW as well as he faced off against Max Caster in an Owen Hart Cup Foundation qualifying match and Max Caster had bars for Samoa Joe's injuries his firing from NXT and how AEW smoked them in the ratings while Samoa Joe was champion. So he had shade for days and Samoa Joe laughed at it, but then he beat this guy's ass for a good two to three minutes. And a slight distraction from Anthony Bowens allowed Max Caster to briefly gain the advantage with some stiff forearm strikes to Samoa Joe. He delivers a spitting back fist and Samoa Joe shrugs it off. He gets pissed off and he proceeds to deliver a shoulder tackle to Max Caster and drops dude with a muscle buster for the win. Samoa Joe looked great and then... Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt appear on the big screen and Jay Lethal is salty, that he's tried to call Samoa Joe time and time again for guidance and advice, but Samoa Joe did not pick up the phone because apparently Joe only picks up the phone for billionaires these days, but he's got a gift for Samoa Joe next Wednesday from New Orleans, Louisiana, and it's going to be a gift that his mentor will never forget and Sanjay Dutt talks the shit. They wrap things up and I love Samoa Joe. He was a badass last night and I expect him to tear up whatever gift. Jay Lether has for him come next Wednesday. Next up is Captain Sean Dean versus Sean Spears. It's Sean versus Sean. And an inside story regarding this matchup is Sean Dean. Beat MJF via DQ thanks to an assist from CM Punk a few months ago on Dynamite. So Sean Spears is supposed to avenge this loss for MJF, who's on guest Commentary. And it should be noted that we still got those big ass low posters saying, hey, if you see this guy, report him immediately. He is banned from the building. So Sean Spears is going for the C4, but we cut backstage suddenly to a slew of security guards laid out. And we see Wartlow whooping ass backstage, attacking all the security guards. He makes his way to ringside, and he is stopped by a fleet of security guards. And as this is happening, Captain Sean Dean rolls up Sean Spears for the win. MGF is apoplectic, and Wartlow has a big smile on his face saying, hey, listen, I didn't get you this week, but I cost you the victory, which makes that a win for me, at least for this week. And I love the bravado and the badassery of Wartlow. One day, he will get his hands on Sean Spears and hopefully delivers 10 power bombs in honor of Ty Dillinger's run, And NXT one can only hope, but we'll see as we continue to slow burn MJF and Wardlow, presumably at double or nothing in May. Next up is Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz jumping the Jericho Appreciation Society on site backstage. They beat their ass earlier in the day and Eddie Kingston grabs a flat screen TV and throws it in the direction of Jericho and company. They flee in an SUV and that leads to Kingston, Santana and Ortiz cutting a promo in the ring. And Eddie Kingston says it's on site with Jericho, regardless if that man is out with his wife and kids for dinner, it's on site. And he tells, his minions ranging from magic daddy or whoever they're called it's on site with you too hey daniel garcia i know where you live so you know it's on site when it comes to you as well and santana calls the jericho appreciation society the jericho bitch society and it's on site all day ortiz echoes the on site mentality and eddie kingston is all about being on site and on site is the order of the day. And I love the fire. I love the energy from Eddie Kingston because he is the fucking coolest, realest dude in the room. And this promo was every indication of that last night. Next up is a tables match between the Hardys and the Butcher and the Blade. And with all due respect to both teams, this match conceptually sucked. This was the most confusing tables match I've ever seen. The announcers were playing it by ear the entire time saying if you are not offensively put through a table if you put yourself through a table it does not count if a member of the tag team goes through the table first they're eliminated but it's no disqualification which means hey they can still play a role in the match and the finish which happened involving Matt and Jeff Hardy and this just created a Hot ass mess situation that was very hard to sift through. So we had the butcher and the blade set a table up like an incline in the ring and they put Hardy on the table, but not through the table completely. But somehow that counted as an elimination as we go picture in picture. We come back and Matt Hardy delivers the elbow drop to the Butcher that puts him through the table and he's supposed to be eliminated but he can still help out the Blade. So Jeff's at ringside. He's laid out for a bit and the Butcher and the Blade double team Matt Hardy. They're going to put him through a table via a suplex spot, but Jeff Hardy moves the table out of the way and eventually we have twist of Fates all around to Butcher and Blade and the Hardy set up two tables at ringside side by side and jeff grabs the ladder you know it's going to happen so they put the blade on the table jeff hardy who's been eliminated who is technically the illegal man in this match climbs the ladder to the tippy top and he delivers a swanton bomb to the blade to win the match And this was a hot ass mess in terms of execution and the rules not making sense. Poor Excalibur, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross for trying to guide us through this because they didn't even know what the hell was going on. It was just a mess in terms of what was supposed to happen and how it was supposed to happen. And I didn't like it. I thought it was just a way for Jeff to put somebody through a table. And if that was the case, you simply have Jeff Hardy versus the Blade do the work, and produce magic. That would be option two to make this as simplistic as possible. This is a rare case where AEW overthought the table match concept and convoluted it to hell for reasons I do not understand. Nice bump by Jeff Per the usual, but conceptually, this was a miss. Next up is Okorushita versus Julia Hart in a Owen Hart Cup Foundation qualifying match. And this match fell apart at the end. Julia Hart attacks Sheeta from behind, and the left eye of Julia Hart is darkening underneath the eye patch. Maybe she's transforming soon to be a future member of House of Black, and quite frankly, we need to hurry up because Alex. who was not even sprayed with the black mist as a vampire. Pentascura switched over in record time. Pac lost his sight, gained it back, whoops ass still to this day. So we need Julia Hart to get on the ball here and join the dark side of the force at long last. And Sheeta was a star in this match. She delivered some nice vertical suplexes, including a second rope inside-out suplex for a very close near fall. Julia Hart went for a moonsault, but the execution was bad upon landing. Sheeta recovers with a knee strike, followed by... The Falcon Arrow for the win. And this was a nice victory for Sheeta to advance in the Owen Hart Cup tournament for the ladies. And after the match is over, Serena Deeb tries to attack Sheeta from behind with a steel chair, but Sheeta had her kendo stick ready to go. And they faced off. And Serena Deeb did stand down to wrap up this segment. They've had three matches on Dynamite in the last four or five months. And I loved two of the matches. The third not so much. If they went back a fourth time, this needs to be a last woman standing match, or a street fight, or a lights out match. This cannot be a traditional match. Every last one of their matches has been violent in nature. Serena Deeb attacks Sheeta's knee with a steel chair. Sheeta goes swinging with the kendo stick. Serena Deeb hits Sheeta in the head with her own trophy when she got her 50th win in AEW. So we need to up the violence even more and both ladies can bring it and deliver at a very high level, preferably in the main event of a Dynamite Rampage very, very soon to wrap up this feud once and for all. And now it is time for our main event featuring the Young Bucks versus FTR for the Ring of Honor and AAA Tag Team Championships. And I thought this was a great match FTR are absolutely over as baby faces who would have thunk that six years ago dating back to their time on NXT I loved to hate the revival as a tag team I hated them because they were fucking cheaters they were very weasley in the ring but I love them because they was so damn good in terms of their technique and in-ring ability. And the Young Bucks, up until their heel turn last year, was the beloved Baby Faces, the pioneer of the Fuck the Revival movement. And now the roles are reversed. FTR are over as Baby Faces. They're double-belted. They had a classic match against the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor tag team titles this past Friday at the Supercard of Honor pay-per-view. And to run back, back back-to-back classics in a span Of five days is truly remarkable. And I love this match. We had some comedy early on as Cash Willow wore a headband from Nick Jackson and. Dax Harwood put another headband in his trunks and threw it at the Bucks as the ultimate sign of disrespect. But things got really good. When we had the Young Bucks doing the arm drag into the double super kick on two Dax Harwood, they tried the same thing with Cash. He popped up with a double clothesline, and both members of FTR locked in double sharpshooters to the Young Bucks in a pretty cool spot as we go picture in picture with the Bucks back on offense. We come back from that break and this match. Picks up steam in a hurry as some miscommunication from the Bucks opens the door for Cash really to make the hot tag. And he goes crazy on the Bucks by suplexing one on top of the other. Then he cradles Matt a few times for some very close near falls before hitting a stuffed pile driver on Matt for a close two count. From there, Cash suplex Nick onto the ring apron, which happens to be, you guessed it, the hardest part of the ring. And from there, we have Dax and Cash going for the powerplex spot where Dax delivers a superplex to Matt Jackson and of course Cash follows things up with a splash to Matt but he was cut off by Nick who delivered a jumping hair karana from the top rope to lay out Cash Wheeler. From there, the Bucks double team Cash for a bit, and as Nick goes for a monster on the outside, Dax catches him in midair and turns it into a brain buster on the floor in a pretty sweet spot. With the official distracted, the Bucks deliver a low blow to Cash cash wheeler and they hit the big rig on cash for a very close near fall that pops the crowd they thought they had him dead to rights so they go for the more bang for your buck followed by the 450 cent on combo and cash still kicks out so the bucks are now desperate so nick goes to grab a title belt specifically the ring of honor title and he's going to hit cash in the face with it but there's a tug of war between dax and nick Nick wins this battle, and behind the referee's back, or shall I say that the referee was in clear view of this, Rick Knox was right there seeing Nick Jackson hit Cash Willer in the face with the Ring of Honor Tag Team Title Belt. And then Matt rolls up Cash, but he kicks out, thankfully. Then the Bucks, going there, going to that place, decides to hit the BTE trigger on Cash Wheeler and he's fighting. He's struggling with his arms to break free, but they hit the trigger. And as Rick Knox counts one, two, three, thankfully Cash gets his foot on the bottom ropes and Rick Knox reverses the call. The match continues. Dax Harwood recovers and saves Cash Wheeler from a mouse to driver. And when Nick goes up for the mouse to driver, Dax Harwood picks Nick up like an alley-oop and slingshots his ass for a leg or bomb. And Cash Roller nails Matt Jackson with a stuffed power driver. And from there, they have Matt in position for the BTE trigger. And Matt struggles. He tries to spit an FTR's face. It does not work as it hit that trigger. And then they give him the double kiss on the cheek. Get the big rig for the win. These fans go crazy. And this was absolutely Fantastic. I never would have thought that FTR would be over as baby faces, but here we are. They're so fucking good and likable in this role, and that really shows their versatility. As performers and to deliver back-to-back classics in five days is absolutely ridiculous but I love them for it and you see the kinesio tape all over FTR's back and arms but they soldier through and they absolutely put on a show in the Bucks. they are who they are they're great they always rise to every occasion and last night was no exception and this was not as great as their full gear match nearly two years ago that was a love letter to all things tag team wrestling the tributes to all the great tag teams was on full display this was a battle to see who was the absolute best and on this night it was FTR without question they retained the AAA and Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles and I'm very happy for them and when they flip on MJF that's going to be another beautiful day and they are going to be stellar tag team champions across multiple promotions and I love that for them I have been Ride or Die Revival Since the golden era of NXT, and that has not changed. Despite the name change, because they are that damn great in the ring. And I'm so happy for them that they are at the top of their game and the fans are loving every moment of it. And this wraps up a pretty good dynamite. I will say that the first two matches involving Adam Cole versus Christian Cage and Samoa Joe versus Max Caster peaked the first hour alongside Wardlow crashing the party. And then things picked up steam heading into the main event involving FTR versus the Young Bucks for the Ring of Honor and AAA tag team titles. The middle was kind of shaky for me. The tag team tables match involving the Hardys and the Butcher and the Blade was a hot-ass mess conceptually, and I just felt like it was a downer to kick off the second hour despite the overness of the Hardys. And the funniest aspect of last night's show was Keith Lee putting powerhouse hops through a paper wall because the fight leading up to it was so... Mm. It was choices in terms of fight choreography. But the paper wall spot was the selling point for me as this feud must continue on Dynamite and Rampage, of course. And with that, this wraps up episode number 58 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and Instagram on Rest of Topia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, Friday night SmackDown on Fox and AW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, search Reciptopia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Sprout, iHeartRadio, Sitcher Radio, Tune plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning with episode number 30 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Rager. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.